becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song, glimmer, glimmer of the ship being seen. Okay. I think we are ready. We're ready. To the shores. To the shores. <laughs> we had a hard time figuring out if we want to do our episodes as in Shores 73. Mm, right. Yeah, well, we had a conversation about, because we've been calling them episodes, but it doesn't really feel like an episode. Yeah. It feels more like just conversations. Mm-hmm. So instead of calling them episodes, we'll call them shores or <laughs> conversations. I don't know. We <laughs> didn't come up with a, an answer, we but did. we, Hey, we released 12 episodes yesterday. <laughs> totally. That was pretty cool. We saw everybody listen to all of them in one day. That was amazing. Was so cool. I don't know how they did it. 13 hours of content <laughs> over 13 million views. So dang, yeah. is that what we got? Yeah. Well, <laughs> is that how you hype yourself? It's like, man, all of our million fans out there, we just want to thank, say thank you. And yeah. Just so faithful. <laughs> like, no way. And then everyone tells everybody, and then all of a sudden we have two million fans. That would be amazing. <laughs> so amazing. That would be incredible. Uh, well, I think, you know, we've kind of had a common theme over the last um, number of episodes. We've talked a lot about love. We've talked... Um, I think in a roundabout way about the idea of truth as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a quote that we wanted to start with today and, and see where it takes us, because I think it could take us into some territory that we haven't explored around those concepts mm-hmm. quite yet. Um, and it's Matt's birthday. True. Yesterday. It was yesterday. <laughs> it was my birthday. My birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I'm now in my final year of my thirties. What? Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Huge party next year, though. Everyone's invited. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> For my 40th. Yikes, awesome. my 40th. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You can look to you. You made it. I made it. <laughs> still making it. <laughs> still making it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so uh, in The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis ta- is, is talking about friendship. And he says of friendship, um, he quotes Emerson, who says, that the, the phrase, do you love me really means, do you see, do you see the same truth? And then Lewis goes on to say, or at least do you care about the same truth? The man who agrees with us that some question little regarded by others is of great importance can be our friend. He need not agree with us about the answer. And I think there's a couple things that struck me about that. I mean, the idea that the question, do you love me? means do you see the same truth mm-hmm. i think of of friends that seems really true to me because friendship seems to form around two people invigorated by some idea mm-hmm. some same idea that they see something that not that everyone else around them doesn't seem to quite see or care about mm-hmm. What's interesting? I mean, it's, I mean, just thinking on a surface level, even like if it's uh, uh, kids, you know, you have kids, you have friends, parent friends, and stuff like that. You have uh, people you like to do things with, like uh, oh, look at that mosquito right there. Oh, that was badass! <laughs> Sorry, you guys missed this. I flicked it. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like you have you have. Like, I guess the difference between like acquaintances too in friendship like it seems like acquaintances uh, you do share a certain amount of maybe superficial uh, and I don't, I don't mean superficial in a negative sense but more of like there's this event or something that we're um, congregating around you right know? right but then it seems like in friendship and that you're talking about is more of like that deeper soul friendship or Meaningful. You've shared an experience, whether it be war or something, mm-hmm. that's drawing you together. That's not just about the event that happened, but something that relationally you became bound with. That is, that you could either 
that might not even be explainable. You know, it's like you both, like, I just think of like the band of brothers, you know, Mm -hmm. like you were in a foxhole with this guy and it's like so different. Each of you are, but you shared an experience that you almost could look at the other person and you, you just know what that is. You know, it's like, um, well, it's that say it's that shared understanding of something that no one else, you can't explain it to someone else. Exactly. mm -hmm. You know, like, so I think about you and I, mm-hmm. and what is it that constitutes our friendship? Yeah. I mean, it's what we, it's this, it's these conversations mm-hmm. and, it, and it, you know, on podcast or not, yeah. it's that we have some, we become invigorated by each other around some question mm-hmm. that we like, ideally we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to, <laughs> you know, get closer to. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's an interesting uh, thing that he points out in that um, quote is that, do you see the same truth? And then he goes on to say, it doesn't matter if you agree on the answer, mm-hmm. which would seem to say that seeing the truth is more of a, a about agreeing about a question. Mm-hmm. The truth, you know, and maybe this is kind of back to the idea of, of well, you know, we posited that love is motion toward an ideal. Um, and in that sense, perhaps truth is only interfaced with through a question. Mm-hmm. And you grow closer to the truth by formulating the question more properly. True. And so it doesn't quite matter. It's like if you and I can ask an interesting question that interests both of us, then mm-hmm. it means we're looking at the same truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perhaps truth is sort of symbolic in that it can't be articulated and the question has to be formulated first so that we can start talking about what it might be. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't like our friendship is invigorated by the question and the view less than the answer. So we could disagree, mm-hmm. you know, but as long as we agree on, on the process of formulating the question, that's what constitutes love within a friendship. Well, let me push back a little bit just okay. to, you know, um, there's also that part of, you know, like, I know I could call you if I needed anything, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, so it's, it's even outside of the questions that we're asking, right. you know? So it's like, uh, if I have a shitty day or something like yeah. that, like, it's like, it's like, oh man, you know, it's like, and, and, uh, it's like, uh, won't necessarily, you know, be interrupted or like, you know, just mm-hmm. can, and just throw it out there, you know? So, um, but I guess it it does, maybe I am actually proving your point though. (laughs) I was trying to push back on that, but like, I I was just trying to think of like, it was, it was more about an an aspect of it is, is well, you are asking the same, like kind of like we're in this together and I had this experience today in this quest that we have in life. And you share that with those people that you are, closest to and that are pursuing the same quest you know i think like when you and alice and i get together it's like we're pursuing the same quest yeah so it's interesting lewis talks about that in friendship that Mm. um you know absolutely like you ask me for anything and i'll do it Mm -hmm. um but he makes a point of good friends um that sort of those things come as something as an annoyance Hmm. Not an annoyance. That's not the word he uses. But basically, it's like the stereotype response. You know, you say thank you for doing this, and I say don't mention it. Mm-hmm. It's like literally, don't mention it. Let's get back to doing what we like to do. <laughs> like all of that was something like that, that we had to do in order to get back to doing what we like doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And we do it, and don't even want. It's like don't mention it. Yeah. Like that's not what our friendship's about. Oh, that's cool. I'll okay. absolutely do that anytime. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Now back to business. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Elon's tweet. He's the richest man in the world. And he's like, cool, back to work. Back to it's work. like, <laughs> that's not why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's almost like it's not, you know, you hear some people like marriage, it's a 50, 50, uh, relationship. And it's like, no, it's actually a hundred percent, hundred percent. You mm-hmm. know, like there's not like, you know, like our friendship is not like, well, Matt, you're not pulling your weight. You know, I'm at 60, you're at 40. Mm, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, <clears throat> it's more of like, you're both giving a hundred percent of yourself and showing up 
and it's not you're not you're not keeping a tally on who owes who what you right. know it's like because um, I, I I've never I've, I've never seen that work well that when people view things and that from that perspective hmm. that it because then it's just like it's it's more of tit for tat rather than we're pursuing this together and sometimes I'm going to carry more of the weight and sometimes you're going to carry more of the weight, but that's not the point. Well, I think this gets into what we were talking about previously before the podcast about the idea of, of the effort of love. Hmm. And there's something about the idea of that sort of tit for tat that seems anathema to the idea of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you know, and I find myself, it, it gets a little difficult because love is a broad term and it, I think it's different whether we're talking about friendship or mm-hmm. eros and marriage and mm-hmm. romantic relationship, but like maybe let's stick with the marriage or romantic relationship love for a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of quantifying one's love seems, seems anathema to it. Mm-hmm. So a, a statement like you're not trying is sort of, it's like a, a different category of something. It's like, it seems like love doesn't, isn't about trying. Mm-hmm. It's not about the effort that you put in. Like, I can't say to you, you know, you're not loving me enough. I mean, I can, yeah. you know, and one could, and, and, they, and people do, and, you know, maybe I have said that, but there's something about love that isn't about effort. It's more about submission. Like, you know, I don't know if you'll relate to this, but I feel like, um, there's a point at which you first tell someone that you love them. And it's, it's almost like a, it's like, I give up. I love you. Hmm. It's like a giving up of something, putting Hmm. something down and saying, I, you know what? I, I submit. I, I love you. I Hmm. can't, I have to, you know what I, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. So you give something up and what you give up allows you to love. There's, there's an idea of some submission or sacrifice. Um, It's like a revelation. Mm -hmm. And I think that the process of loving someone is more a process of submission than it is of effort. You know? Yeah. It was like, I, I think, it was interesting whenever you said uh, you're not trying hard enough, like something like a couple or something like that. It's, it's almost, it's interesting because at that point you're not even talking about love because I think once you get to that place of you're not trying hard enough, like there's, there's already been a breakdown somewhere because like, I I think, and again, I want to get kind of drilled down on this a little bit more because I don't think I, I, I kind of grasped, where we're at with this, but, but that was my feeling I got whenever you said that I was like, you're not trying hard enough. Well, all of a sudden I think all of a sudden you kind of miss what love actually is. And it's like, and I think when you talk about like submission is there's a, there's that idea that it's not about trying. It's sort of like almost like more of like being or something like that. You're, you are in love. You're not, you're not doing love, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it seems like there's a little bit more of a, of you're giving up something of yourself. So even to say you're not trying, it almost takes you out of that idea of what love is, mm-hmm. where it's like you are in love. You're not doing love, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing love, then you're not trying hard <laughs> enough in doing love, you know? I like that. What you, what you doing? <laughs> love. Doing love. I'm doing love. Um, <clears throat> Does that even make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to parse this mm-hmm. um, because I think it's sort of both and, but I'm reminded of the, of, I think it was, I can't remember who said this, but basically said that there are things which effort does not affect mm. such as wisdom. Mm. Like you can't gain wisdom through effort. Yeah. It's not a function of effort, mm-hmm. but there's also sort of the idea that like, if you don't sort of, engage, Mm -hmm. then you're also not going to gain wisdom. So it's sort of like the minimum 
barrier to entry is some amount of effort. But after that, no amount of effort will get you wiser any quicker. Oh, fascinating. So like Talib gets into this a lot with like anti-fragility and uh, black swan and uh, fooled by randomness. You know, there's a, there's a sort of like almost like luck that's associated with business or success or all these, you know, things that we pursue in life. Um, you know, and it's really hard to say, like, I worked hard enough and therefore I got this. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's almost to the T and I've, I've very rarely heard any business person say it's because I, I worked hard enough. But there's also this aspect of, we've talked about this in the podcast, like uh, I bought the lottery ticket. You know, it's like you, you put yourself like in, the, uh, in a place that you um, are open to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like love is similar in that sense. Is like when you choose the love, <laughs> you're opening yourself to the opportunity, to the, to the lottery that, of, of, what, of what love is. Yeah. And it's like you don't, no one ever deserves or earns the lottery, you know? <laughs> well, it's almost like, um, okay. So there's that, that first time you say, uh, you know what? I love you. It's like, I give mm. up. I love you, you know? And th- so what follows from that? Mm. Like there, there is something that obviously must follow from that. Otherwise the statement is untrue. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, it, it, you can almost look at it business business wise too, is there's a certain amount, like you commit to opening a business, you know? And you put yourself into a place of opportunity to like open and run a business. Um, Oh shit. I think I just lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I, I lost it. (laughs) Well, I think we were talking about in an offline conversation about the idea of like, who was it when, when Jesus was on the cross, somebody said to him, if you are who you say you are, mm-hmm. then I'll be in the, in heaven with you today or something like that. Oh, it was a thieves on one Was on that side. what they said? Yeah. I don't know. But, well, but yeah. it was this idea that like, if you are who you say you are, then it cannot be any other way. Oh, you're thinking of the centurion. Centurion. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. that was mm-hmm. it. Um, and there's something about that with love. So I say, I love you. I, you know, of a, of a romantic partner, I, I give up. I love you. Mm-hmm. If that statement is true, then what will follow is love, you know? And, and so, you know, what follows that? I love you. I'm going to design my life such that I can be around you as often as possible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm, I, I will probably be thinking of you in almost everything I do and how that how what I'm doing affects you, how it might delight you, how it might upset you. Hmm. Um, you know, and as love grows, um, and you know, you kind of go past the, the childhood maturity of, of a new relationship. You might call it the honeymoon phase. It's like Mm -hmm. you might, um, you might act less and less, on those things, Mm -hmm. which might inspire the other person to say, Hey, you're not trying. Um, I'm not sure where to take that, but okay. You you kind of stirred up that thought again. Um, well, I think kind of what you're talking about too, is like, you know, whenever you first say, I love you, it's like you're orienting yourself to the person Mm -hmm. and the honeymoon phase is almost like a, it's the easiest part because the orienting yourself to somebody else, there's a newness to it that is mm-hmm. almost, uh, in fact, um, um, overwhelming, you know? So it's, it's almost easy to orient yourself to somebody else. And everything becomes about that other person. Mm-hmm. And at some point, everything else becomes peripheral to that other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at some point, like you, it's almost like a check, like, Oh wait, are you really oriented towards this person or mm-hmm. to this person? Mm-hmm. And you start to fall into maybe some tit for tat or this relationship's 50, 50. And you kind of, you come, you become out, you come out of orientation to the other person or out of relationship, you know, you start to, it starts to be more of a, of a business partnership rather than a orienting yourself to somebody. Um, And then you have contracts and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking about how basically I think anything good can become perverted. Mm-hmm. You know, so for instance, like you might be in love and one of the things that love compels you to do is like, I'm going to get up and make the coffee every morning. Cause I know that you like to be woken up and have your coffee. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do that because I love you. And it's not even a question that you ask yourself or a task that you give yourself. It just sort of bubbles out of your love. It's like, you don't even know you're doing it. You Mm -hmm. just wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm so, I'm doing, I'm so excited to do this, you know? (laughs) Uh Um, you know, but then that becomes routine. It becomes pattern, you know, and perhaps some, undiscussed injury that happens in the relationship starts to change into some bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. And then that starts infecting the other things. And one, and all of a sudden one morning you're making the coffee and you're like, why am I doing this every morning? Why doesn't this other person one time do this for me? Mm. You know, it's like, I've been doing this. Where's my benefit? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that, that thing becomes perverted. Mm. And so maybe you stop or maybe you, you know, stop doing it. And then the other person stops feeling that representation of the love. Mm. Yeah. But I don't, well, who was it? Somebody said, um, well, I think it was of marriage. Marriage is a battle to the death, which no man of honor should deny. <laughs> that's funny which I always liked because I think that you know perhaps it's more accurate to say you know love does not try love fights Mm -hmm. it's not and it's not exactly it's not exactly effort Mm -hmm. it's you know I recognize the resentment and bitterness and I'm going to fight that and kill that. And maybe that means that we've got to sit down and talk through some things and through some like two year old off the cuff things that you said that really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And it's been festering inside for a long time because it's affecting me making you your coffee. And I don't like that because I like making you your coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to not like making it. So it's like, I'm going to fight to protect the love Oh, that's fascinating. So it's almost becomes a symbol of like, so if like you, like again, uh, you know, if you, if you're making that coffee and then all of a sudden you start like, why am I doing this? What for? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. It's like, there's a a symbolic gesture that now has lost something. And that's almost like a, a cue to something about our relationship is not is not right. So am I going to, so I've got a choice is like either I can move into bitterness, you know, maybe stop making the coffee or just make the coffee, but just hate, hate doing it. And then it becomes a symbol of more of like, which the other person's going to feel totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So it starts, but, but then it's like, it's almost like a signal, like, okay, I need to reorient myself. Like how do I reorient myself? It's like, maybe it's, talking to the person, you know, or confessing something or, yes, yes. Or something that's bothering you about the other person. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's, it's almost like we need to be aware of those cues because it does take us out of, um, something has put a, like a fissure in that, in that relationship. And there are certain signposts that kind of, um, kind of cue us into that place. Almost like anytime you say like, well, you don't do this for me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, something's. It, it might be the case. It's like the other person is being completely selfish, and yeah. <laughs> and they're actually using you, and you're not being. You know, it's like you need to either get out of that relationship, or <clears throat> y'all need to like figure something out. You know. Well, let me go back. Let's go back to the idea of orientation, and yeah. the, and then the formulation that we sort of laid out over a couple of episodes, which is that love is motion toward an ideal. And I think mm-hmm. when you first fall in love with someone, you you almost only see the ideal. Like you almost don't even see the other person. Yeah. You see some co-created ideal of who they are. Mm -hmm. It's like you and the other person have co-created this ideal. Hmm. And that's the overwhelming euphoria Mm -hmm. because how could anything be better? It couldn't. Right. Um, 
And then as a relationship progresses, I mean, I think it's possible. So, and, and we posited that as you're moving toward that ideal, which is what love I think serves to do mm-hmm. is, is seek the divine. Um, we made the statement that it's like, you kind of can't see reality for what it is mm-hmm. because you're in motion. Mm. And I think there's times when you, your gaze moves from the ideal to sort of the reality for lack of a better word. The reality is that like, you know, you're not perfect. <laughs> you're not the ideal. Mm-hmm. You're, you hurt me. You're annoying. Sometimes you, um, you're not living up to what I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And this is universal. You can't avoid this happening. And so I, <clears throat> so if you start focusing on that and you're not submitting to the ideal, submitting to the love, then it's going to become poisoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you said, you know, it's like, maybe you need to confess, you need to confess, Hey, I'm annoyed with you mm-hmm. and I don't want to be because the contract here, the understanding here is that I think that you're the most delightful person in the world. Mm. And I'm, there's something that's pulling my gaze toward the perversion of how things are away from the place that we are both pointing the Mm. the way that we have oriented. And I think that that's what the idea of marriage seeks to address to say, here is what I plan to do. Mm -hmm. Like I plan here, here is my statement, my public statement of my intention toward you. Mm-hmm. I love you. And even in times when I cease to see it, I will remember that I committed to this. I committed to what I see in you, this ideal, this potential. And so sit down, you know, it's like, look, I'm, I'm having a lot of resentment about making the damn coffee. Mm-hmm. And I need to confess that to you because that does not serve the goal that we set, which is this commitment to love. Hmm. And so then you can reorient and say, let's get rid of that. Cause again, like I love making you the coffee and these days I'm not. And I want, it's like, and here's why I think that is. And hmm. what do you think about that? And at some level, it doesn't really matter what you think about that because I've committed to loving you. And if loving you is no longer making you the coffee, then it's maybe it's something else. I don't know. But it's like, I'm not leaving though. I'm not giving up on my commitment. I gave up everything else to love. And so what, it goes back to this idea of like, so what follows? You know, if, if that, that feeling of giving up when you first say, I love you is matured, I'm giving everything else up to love you. Mm then what must follow is the manifestation of love. And to the extent that you, you renege on that contract Mm -hmm. and cease to give up what needs to be given up in order to love, then love ceases to manifest. And then I think that's when you get this sort of naive, perhaps response of like, Hey, you're not trying. Mm -hmm. It's not that you're not trying. It's that you're not, doing what love requires or giving up what love requires. Well, it's almost like you've lost the vision. You've lost the, the, the projection into the future. It's like, yes, or maybe not lost it, but stopped looking at it. Yeah, totally. So it's like that idea of like, or start resenting it even true. You know, you have like, whenever you have a marriage, it's like, you kind of project into the future. This, this, um, this idea of, of who we are and what we're going to do. And, you know, many times in, and historically it's like, you know, children are part of that, part of that, you know, if, if you can have children and, and then into the, you know, having grandchildren and then passing that, all those things off into the future, you know, there's a very evolutionary aspect to that. And we're going to do this together and we're most effective is if we do this together over a long period of time. Right. Uh, and at some points you lose that perspective and, you know, because there's, <clears throat> there's a reality is, is like, 
is, is that we're not perfect and we're not who we could be. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something in love is that you kind of accept that about your partner is you're not, we, we both are not who we, who we could be. Right. I accept that. But I think where it kind of falls apart is when we forget what we're, what we're moving to towards into the future. And, and whenever people miss and become that, that, that future vision starts to divide or, um, bifurcate, you know, it's like, it's like you, you feel that in the relationship when you no longer have that same future orientation, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, and that comes to the point where you're like, okay, Hey, we're off. And you know what? The symbol of this coffee <laughs> is telling me we're off somewhere. Right. I used to love doing this, right. You know, every morning mm-hmm. and now I don't, and I don't know why. Yeah. Can we figure this out together? Right. You know, it's like, and then your partner's like, I don't give a shit about coffee. And you're like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Seriously. It's like, it's like that, that could be a place where it's like, Oh, it's bigger than I thought, you know, or, or like, Oh man. You know, it's like, I love that you do this for me. I've just been really distant lately. You know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's like almost you're inviting truth and the realignment of that future, that projection into the future, you know? Oh, that's interesting. And maybe it goes back to the idea of, do you see the same truth? Are you able to ask the same question? Mm. So if I sit down and say, I used to love doing this. I don't love doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And if your partner, if your relationship is based on some shared understanding or shared side of the truth, which allows them to say, well, let's ask the question together. I'm interested mm-hmm. in that question too. Yeah. Why don't you like doing it anymore? Mm-hmm that's a question that seems worth asking to me as well. Yeah. You know, then that can be remedied fairly quickly. It seems. Mm-hmm. Okay. We share the same, <clears throat> we're interested in the same question. Let's great. It's like, Holy shit. I love you again. <laughs> you know, but let's uh, work on this. Totally. Is it, is it, are we not buying Medici coffee? Is that the problem? <laughs> like it's totally yeah. it's always the problem. Um, hmm. Come to your local Medici coffee store. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I think there's other aspects of what it means to what it means to love that involve um, sacrifice. So it may be that the place that love is calling you to go is a place that you don't want to go. You know, and in, in, in new love, you don't really do anything you don't want to do because mm-hmm. everything is the ideal, you know, and everything is perfect. And uh, you have no concept of like, I don't want to do what you want to do. It's uh, like, I only want to do what you want to do all the time, but it doesn't fun. It's like, that's not functional over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Life has business that has to be tended to, and you have to do things that are outside of the relationship. The honeymoon period has to end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the love doesn't. And I think there's times when love calls you to do things, you know, that you're like, I don't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be as simple as like when you're trying to figure out where to go to eat with a romantic partner. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're in first in a new relationship, it's like, you'll eat anything, you know, (laughs) it's like, I know that this is going to destroy my stomach and give me diarrhea. You're like, I'm going to eat it and tell you that I love it because I just love being with you that much. And then I'm just going to suffer and Uh not tell you about it. Um, you know, and maybe this is something of the, the, the evidence of effort is over time you might start voicing that. Like, I really don't want to do that. You want to do something. I don't want to do it. Um, and you sort of play that out over a long enough time. And it's like, Hey, you're not, you're not trying here. It's been 10 times. And I, you know, you're not doing this with me and I really wish you would. And Mm -hmm. at some point you might say, well, I submit to what love asks me to do. Mm -hmm. And, I'll do the thing I don't want to do because it's more important to me to orient myself toward that love, orient myself to where that love is going 
than to avoid the discomfort of something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you made me think of uh, Victor Frankl to the idea of suffering. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's like there's something that you know, as an individual in suffering, is kind of where kind of meaning kind of manifests itself. You know, there's a like when everything is sort of taken away from you is sort of like you find out what you really, what you really believe and what you really value in life. And I think there's something in marriage specifically. And, you know, it's like that you do have that. There's also a a sort of, uh, pruning that happens that there's a lot of superficial things that you have projected into the future that will kind of be tested and I think kids are that way too. Is like you see a lot of divorces happen after the kids leave the leave the house. You know, it's like they've kind of lost their purpose. But the problem was, is their purpose was too narrowly defined. It was about the children. Mm. And I think that is something that someone told me a long time ago. Is like, is like you know, pretty much you know, your wife comes before your your children, or your partner comes before your children, mm. because you're going to be with that person a lot longer, (laughs) you know, because your kids are going to go off into the world and, and make something of themselves, you know, and that you'll be there to support them. Well, I think that's the proper way to raise children anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like for the children to think that they're more important than either one of their parents in the other parents' eyes, like that's Mm -hmm. not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like you want your children to know their place, which is that, you know, in one way, you're more, it's like, of course, you mm. know, it comes down to a life or death situation. You're saving the children, but mm-hmm. in the household, because you know, the partner would want you to do that. Yeah. And you want to do, I mean, it's a buy, I think it's, yeah. it's like, they're, they have much less. I thought you're talking about the expense of your partner, you know, <laughs> uh, the expense of your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, but you want your children I think to submit the authority of the, of the other. So it's like, if I'm married and it's like, I want my children to submit to the the authority of my wife. Mm -hmm. And that means my wife is the authority and is in some sense to her. She is to be taken as more important Mm -hmm. when it comes to thoughts about something, when it comes to decisions about things, you know, and then as they grow, and that, and she, and she starts letting go of some of that and giving that to them and then starts submitting to them. And that's really healthy. But I, I think it's absolutely right is that your partner is not only functionally, um, more important to you than your children, because you'll be living with them quite a bit longer. Uh, but also I think it's necessary that it be that way for the proper development of the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that no, definitely, it definitely makes sense to me. I, I, I kind of get to, there's just one saying that someone told me a long time ago, or maybe I listened to it on a, uh, yeah, it was actually on a, on a tape, a tape, <laughs> a tape talk. When was this the eighties? It was like, or like late nineties or wow. something like that. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. He's like, uh, he was talking about marriage and basically how, a lot of marriages are end up in a butler made situation hmm. where they live in the same house, but the, the father is the butler and the, and the wife is the maid hmm. and they kind of take care of this house they live in, but they don't actually possess the house. Hmm. And for me at the time, it was such a great image of some marriages that I've seen in my life that, you know, it's like, they don't really possess this house. You know, hmm. it's like, you know, like when I'm with your family, you know, it's like, you see that sort of like they possess the house, you know, it's like, uh, your father and your mother and like, you know, it's like your, the kids and everything like that. There's like, they're not made in Butler, you know, it's like, uh, it's like they're subordinate to the house or to the children or to some temporal thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they have to be, Yeah. They're servants. They're like, servants to I, it. Yeah. Like we, when it really should be that they should be subordinate to a transcendent ideal. And then everything 
else is subordinate to that mm-hmm. and to them. What's well, a hero's journey? I mean, that's the that's the whole whole idea. Is like there there's a treasure, and that you know this house is that sort of like you know uh, is the maybe that's the booty of the tre- of the treasure. You know, it's like you know you've you've gone and you've conquered you've conquered something, but then you're always moving on to something that's higher and, and greater and bigger. You know, it's like um, because you can't just stagnate. You can't just like stay in your little hobbit hole and just Hmm. not do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you're just kind of, you're just dying at that point. I think I I, I convoluted too many, too many, uh, (laughs) too many thoughts in the one little spot there. Uh, no. Okay. So fundamentally, I think kind of come back to, I did try to do too much right there. Uh, is like, there is, there has to be a transcendent idea that you are pursuing or moving towards that's Mm -hmm. greater and bigger than the two of you, you know, but incorporates both of you mm -hmm. and all that you possess, whether that be home or children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at any point that that transcendent idea becomes less and less, it's like you start to, you almost become a slave or a servant to something that is less than ideal. And, yeah. So if your transcendent idea ideal becomes the beautiful home, let's say it's too small. Mm. You become a servant of the home. You become a servant of the home, Mm -hmm. but you can't be fully incorporated into the ideal of the, of the beautiful home. There's just too much of you. Mm -hmm. And so that will begin to breed smallness and hollowness and resentment. Mm -hmm. So you have to make the ideal bigger. Yeah. And maybe the bigger the ideal, the more transcendent the ideal, mm-hmm. the more can be incorporated into it and, and properly aligned and oriented such that motion can continue as the complexity of life increases, mm. which it invariably does. And as the, the sort of underlying I guess I'll use the, the, the word shadow, mm-hmm. um, more and more gets moved into the shadow to the get that's to me, that's the idea of like, you know, that one thing that you said to me two years ago mm. that I didn't speak up about cause it just seemed stupid mm. has been festering and turning to bitterness and resentment. And I didn't even realize it till I realized I don't like making the damn coffee anymore, <laughs> you know? And uh-huh. it's like, okay, <laughs> as long as the, you know, if the ideal is the beautiful home, mm-hmm. it's like, how do you, there's no space to deal with that. Yeah. So you need it to be bigger such that you can bring it and say, Hey, here's something that is getting in the way of, mm. of what we're aiming at here. And we still agree that we aim at the same thing. Oh man. You just took me all the way to Lord of the Rings and just yeah. like the darkness of the forest or the cloud of Mordor that kind of, comes out over and over shadows. And it's like, there's those things like we all have the shadow, you know, the mm-hmm. Jungian shadow aspects. But if we don't address those things, that just tends to grow. And, and then it sort of, it, it strengthens, mm-hmm. it strengthens, it overcomes the relationship. And, uh, and there's also an admittance to like, like we don't, we don't really understand or know the ideal. I think that's also, Yes. Part of that commitment together is like we're well, setting out on a journey that we don't know where we're going. Right. Well, and I think if the ideal is, is high enough, big mm-hmm. enough, it's like the higher it is, the bigger it is, the less articulable it is. Mm-hmm. The less, you know, exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And this is back to the idea of, do you see the same truth? Oh, yes. Are you able to formulate the same question? Mm-hmm. And, and he ends that by saying that a friend who, you know, is interested in the same question, it doesn't really matter if he agrees on the answer Yeah, because the ideal is more about. Well, just take the shores. You for can't example. see it. You know, it's like, I mean, I think that that metaphor has really, even before we settled on this for the podcast, I think that metaphor has always outlined our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Do you want to stand in the same place with me? Yeah. Here's this place where we got order. We got chaos. Yeah. 
we find ourselves in this place, you want to pursue this? Like, you know, I think that's something that our, uh, the answer to that question has always been, yes. What do you see? And yeah, then you're right. like, this is what I see. Like, I don't know. I don't see that. I, I see this. You're like, well, huh, that's weird. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, that's, oh, that's amazing. Cause it's the same thing you do. Like when you lay down and look at the stars, hmm. you know, Hey, I, do you see that? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I saw something totally different. What I'm seeing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm seeing this. What's important is that you're both laying in the same place, looking at the same thing. It's mm-hmm. not that you see the same thing. Yeah. It's that you are, it's that your, your interest, your fascination, your delight is augmented and expanded by the other person looking at the same thing and seeing uh, something different. Totally. And, you know, which is why I think that if the ideal is, is high enough and big enough, you can't say what it is mm-hmm. and you, and you shouldn't be able to, mm-hmm. because then you remove the opportunity for the other person to have that augmenting, expanding effect. Dude. So make your ideal high enough such that you can't say exactly what it is, but that both of you are fucking fascinated at looking at it, mm-hmm. you know, and orienting yourself toward it. Yeah. I mean, even how you ended the last podcast, which was awesome just drop the mic god is dead (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like there's a part of that that's that's really sad in that i think in our culture probably western more than anything else is like we've kind of like like god is dead which is sort of the highest ideal yeah that you can come up with i mean by definition that is what god is you know it's the outer limits of transcendence yeah that's god and it's like you know i just want to you know you know, if you have certain things associated with it, that's fine. But like, like fundamentally that is what that idea or concept or being or however you want to describe it is. It's like that hour. So I think there's something that whenever like, and again, Nietzsche says that more out of peril than out of victory, you know, God is dead. It's mm-hmm. like, what do we do now? If you do not have an ideal that is so big and so un- not understandable, it's like, what do you orient yourself to? And it's like anything less is just, it seems to, it seems to be suffocating in a sense, like, like in homelessness, you know, it's like, that's a high ideal, but is that something, is that something to be, it could be an aspect of something you do, but I don't, I don't feel like it's the high, a high, uh, an ideal to orient yourself to in totality, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a worthy goal, you know, or a, a way to focus your attention, but it seems that there's something temperamental about it. That is, that cannot be solved or will not be solved. I, I, I kind of, I fall dead there because I don't, I can't, I don't see how that could be an ideal. I'm just thinking of like a couple that have come together and that was one thing that they agree on. That's something that's an ideal or something they're orienting themselves to. Well, I would say it's not large enough to be sufficient because it can't incorporate all of you. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. You know, because you can only spend, it's like <laughs> there's more of you <laughs> than can be focused on ending homelessness, mm. you know, and at the end of the day you have to rest. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about that part of you? Mm-hmm. What about that's your not kids? incorporated what about into your, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your, your children, your home, your, you know, it's a, it's a very worthy thing to do. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a, in a very high and probably not accomplishable mm-hmm. ideal. Um, and there's something else about ideals. Like it, it, even if they are, well, if they were accomplishable, mm-hmm. this, that would be evidence that they weren't big enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally, yeah. Cause then what? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think we were talking about, this is a, a number of episodes back, but talking about the idea of mission statements and it's like, you want your mission statement to be sufficiently broad that you can't accomplish it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, what do you do when you accomplish it? <laughs> Everything falls apart. You know, was it like a squirrel, like a dog that catches a squirrel and it's like, Oh, I caught it. Like, it doesn't know what to do. <laughs> now with what? It. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I liked your, can you do that again? Like what the distinction was like, like homelessness, like the, it's, it's a worthy, it's a worthy pursuit, but it's not sufficient to compl- to orient yourself as a whole. 
Like it's a, it's more of like a, a tangential goal. Even mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. needs to be oriented to something, to greater. something else bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can't incorporate all of you. Okay. There there's, you there's more of you than there is to that. Mm-hmm. There's something about that statement that really is clarifying to me because there's so many things, whether it be your business or whatever goal it might be that you have, it's like all those things are insufficient to something that is greater, more ideal. You know, it's like, you can call it the logos or spirit or, um, something that is greater. Dude, I really want to get into the whole consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Because I I just don't see how you can. It just seems very lacking to have anything less than a grander narrative that is not included in specific utterances. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like whether it be like end homelessness or um, equality or. yeah, political even or, these grand social concepts mm-hmm. they're not grand enough yeah that's the problem mm-hmm. and that's why they'll always fall apart yeah if they are made to be the ideal mm-hmm. yeah that's true well i think that's there's something about that i think that's where martin luther king kind of had that sort of like and I don't even know if it's I just thinking about it right now. I don't know if it's, it's even big enough, honestly, but like that we would judge each other by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's an ideal. That's huge. It's huge. Well, but even embedded in that statement is the idea that we would be judged by the content of our character. And the, the problem with that is that we will be judged and found lacking. Mm-hmm. Or at least there's the possibility of it. Yeah. So lacking against what? Mm. Some ideal that's bigger. Yeah. Totally. What, what is that? So that's almost a call towards the greater, a greater narrative, a greater vision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just that statement points to that. Yes. It's like, what do you measure somebody's character to? Mm-hmm. And and then also what, you know, it's interesting too, because whatever your yardstick is, it's probably too small, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I think that's why the concept, well, Nietzsche's <clears throat> statement that God is dead is a statement of peril because if that's what he's saying there, I think is that the thing that we would compare ourselves to Mm-hmm. which is sort of some amount, some perfection to an ineffable standard. Mm-hmm. That's what's dead. Mm-hmm. So now all of our yard shit, yards, yard shits, yard sticks <laughs> are too short. Uh-huh. They don't add up. Like there's an end and there's more of us left. Mm-hmm. There's more potential and more insufficiency than any other stick can measure. So what then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also trying to think of like, cause I, just, I mean, just kind of take a, a different direction for a second. Like, I mean, for, for some people, like they have like this sort of measurement to themselves that they will never fulfill. And it's somewhat of a negative thing. It's almost like a demoralizing thing where I think when you and I think of this idea, mm-hmm. we think of it as inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's like when I think of something that is transcendent or existential, that is a greater uh, uh, narrative than I could ever even imagine and measuring myself against that. To me, that's inspiring. But for somebody else, that might be like sort of like, well, I'll never be good enough. Right. You know, it's like I can just I can kind of hear that response, you know, as far as like, what good is it for me to have these 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 ideas or this? of something that's transcendent or something that's more that I'll never measure up to. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a like, problem, doesn't right? Doesn't that suck? It's like, it's like the, 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 
we're suggesting that the ideal the ideal needs to be large enough such that it can never be reached <laughs> right okay so what then yeah you could have two responses to that one is okay good it can incorporate all of me mm-hmm. and i can move toward it or the other response to your point is oh great so i'll never be like i will always be judged lacking mm-hmm. i will be insufficient always at all times mm-hmm. It's a tough one. I mean, I think that has to do with orientation. Well, that's the thing that, is, that, that kind of boggles my mind is to me, that's inspirational. Well, if you're oriented toward the ideal mm-hmm. and I think that you don't measure so much your relative distance from it as much as you measure your progression toward it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's inspiring. Mm. Oh, I see. Whereas if you are not, if you're aware of the ideal, but you don't orient yourself toward it, you not, you measure not only your distance from it, but also the distance that you potentially move away from it as well. Mm. Or the time you measure the time that you don't progress toward it. Mm. And that is, I mean, I think we made the statement, um, That when, that love is motion and when motion stops, that's hell. Oh, interesting. That was, yeah. To be constantly aware of the ideal and not able to move toward it. Mm-hmm. It's like to see how good it could be in horrifying clarity. Mm-hmm. So I think that the to the extent that you orient yourself toward it and move toward it, no matter how small that movement is. I mean, I think this is Peterson's whole thing about clean your room. Hmm. It's, it's just, it's an arbitrary thing to suggest that someone do in some sense. It's yeah. like, which is not about cleaning your room. It's not about cleaning your room. It's hmm. about, it's about, uh, positing that something could be better and then doing the smallest thing that you could think to do. Mm-hmm. And the, the effect that that has on your psyche the, the, it's like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You move toward the ideal in any small amount mm. and the effect is overwhelming. Yeah. Whereas you see the ideal and you don't move forward it, toward it. The effect is overwhelming in the negative. Yeah. It's almost like you, you can't stand still. It's like you're either moving toward or away. There's no such thing as being neutral <clears throat> in this space. Um, well, I would say, I think that's probably true, but I would mm. say that I think that standing still and moving away are mm. equal. Totally. Yeah. Well, I would just say like being neutral or staying still is like a, an illusion. Mm-hmm. Like, like the guy who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jesus gives out those tokens or whatever, you know, all those bitcoins and <laughs> he gives one guy one bitcoin he sticks it in the dirt and pulls it back out and it's like look here <laughs> here's your bitcoin back no it doesn't work because bitcoin goes up and about <laughs> ideally <laughs> sorry i just totally derailed this <laughs> it's funny i was just like you said jesus and bitcoin in the same sentence that'd be a great like meme right there yeah <laughs> but oh what is gosh. bitcoin i get to see it like sort of like the reverse of that is where like the guy who buries it and he gets in trouble in the actual in Jesus like you did good you holdled holdled <laughs> <laughs> where like you know oh, this gets, should be a comic he gets reprimanded but in this sense he's like you did good <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> oh, here's some doge coin can we do that we should we should meme that somehow I don't know how to do I that I don't know how to that's do that great we'll think about it shit I took us off that's okay <laughs> Oh man. Well, should we wrap it up then? Yeah. Let's kind of like maybe re recap on, on some of these things. Cause so I find there's a problem that I do see that there's this orienting yourself to an ideal and transcendent idea. I find that some people find that overwhelming and, have a negative response to that, which I also get because I find that when I, I come up short to that ideal that I have that same feeling and that same 
like it's sort of like the coffee thing like like i don't like making this coffee anymore you know and it's, it's like it's like i was sort of like pursuing this ideal of sort of like man i love this i want to i want to bring you coffee and i want to do these things and all of a sudden like something that i'm doing that was actually serving a higher ideal is now about the thing and i hate this hmm. and i don't like you and i don't like this and i don't want to do this and this all sucks and <laughs> you know you kind of go mm-hmm. it just like snowballs and it's like and then that's kind of where you stop it's like why what what am i doing you know, it's like, where, where did I miss? I'm, I'm, I've gone wrong somewhere, you know? Um, hmm. Yeah. I think that idea of that, that feeling, where did I miss? I've gone wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's your conscience mm. that knows that. Yeah. That is aware of some ideal that maybe you're, you're unwilling to admit to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure my mind's going to like solution mode and maybe that's not helpful, but I, yeah. I think that, you know, if you feel immobilized by the judgment of an ideal, you know, then perhaps it's worthwhile to make your ideal more articulated, which I think is the same thing as saying, make it smaller. Hmm. So, well, this is exactly Peterson's point clean your room. Hmm. It's like, make your ideal small enough such that you can be judged by it and then succeed at it. And then now what? Mm-hmm. Well, you need a new, a new one mm-hmm. because, and, and that success will inspire you to create a new one. Mm-hmm. Cause you'll be like, Oh wow. Look, like I feel good. And this feels good. And so you set a new one and maybe make it sufficiently small. But I think if you play this game long enough, and I don't think it will take very long. No, it's like the penny, a penny every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to arrive at some concept of an ideal that you're going to have a hard time describing in terms other than God. If you're serious about orienting yourself toward... It's like what Eric says about physics. You know? Yes. <laughs> <coughs> right. You stop asking... You, Anyone who doesn't end up in theoretical physics, physics stopped asking, asking the question, why? You know? <laughs> totally. um, Sorry, I derailed you. <laughs> I, I think I was at the end of my, my thought there. Yeah. I just, I feel humbled by all of this. Mm-hmm. I feel, well, maybe the other side of that coin is the insufficiency, mm-hmm. you know, which maybe there's some idea of perversion here. It's like, am I insufficient? Yes. I could also say I'm insufficient and I submit. Uh, I give up. mm -hmm. I give up and I orient myself to you. Mm. And what follows can't be anything else. Mm hmm. You know, or I say I'm insufficient and then I take it out on myself and I say, hmm. I agree with the judgment and I decide that's final. Hmm. Man, that's powerful. Well, that is that's, what you're talking about at the very beginning was like, like love. There's a certain idea of submitting to it. It's like, it's like, Who's, who actually is worthy of love? Hmm. You know, it's like, it's really hard to define, you know? So there's something that you kind of submit to it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's a journey and you will find your insufficiencies along the way. But I think that's something that as you pursue in your insufficiencies, you also start to experience a growth thing. Again, back to the thing we were talking about, make your bed, and then you kind of keep moving forward and forward. Mm. Like there's a lesson that you learn that I find myself insufficient at every single step. But as I submit to this greater narrative, this vision of the future or this ideal or transcendent Mm. idea, I find that every time I find myself insufficient and I submit to that ideal, I grow, actually move forward and toward that this, ideal. <laughs> this is exactly what the word repentance means. Hmm. Yeah. To turn away from it. Uh, yeah. I am, I am insufficient. 
and I'm going to turn away from the insufficiency toward mm. the ideal, mm-hmm. toward love. Yeah. In its simplest term, that's that's what repentance is. Mm-hmm. It's a change of direction. Yeah. A change in orientation. Which is cool because you can actually, you can, you can feel remorse. You can feel sadness. You can feel, you know, it's like all the emotions that are in that sort of lacking are, are good and, and healthy, you know, but it's, it's, it's how you were saying it's like, but it's how you orient yourself. Do you orient yourself to towards your insufficiencies or do you accept those insufficiencies and continue to orient yourself to the, to the, to the transcendent, you mm-hmm. know, to the greater ideal. Well, I hope for you and for me and for everyone else that we choose the latter. I agree. I agree. Oh, dude. Cheers. Cheers, man. To love. love. To love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. Bye. Happy birthday, Matt. Thanks. <laughs>